Joyride podcast. John is my name. And Ian is my name. And welcome back after the summer holidays. Yeah, we, I mean, we didn't deliberately take a summer holiday, but we just kind of did. Yeah. Um, we've been out and about, around and above and everywhere else. Um, I went to the seaside for a few days. Nice. Did you do anything fun? Um, I went to Perth, which ah. is in Scotland, not Australia. Is that the historic capital of Scotland? I feel to want to say it is. Um, I don't know. The craft town of Scotland is West Cobride, where I live. Uh, <laughs> of course. Home of the Scarecrow Festival still. Um, I mean, it's pretty historical up in Perth. Mm. It's yeah. an historical place. I've never been. No. It's, I mean, it's nice. My, mother, my mother-in-law lives just outside Perth, so we go and stay with her pretty much every summer. And it's quite close to Aviemore and Dundee and places where there are things you can do. Um, I mean, we didn't really do anything because of COVID. We just kind of like potted about and we went when the weather was nice. So we just like my wife's mother had a, a big pool in the back garden that she'd, in, she'd installed. And we just kind of spent a lot of time with that. Oh, nice. For about a week. And, and was it nice to be away from the madness that is 2021? Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's very rural up there. So you're completely away from everything that's... It's almost like you can forget COVID's a thing because it's so quiet and so remote. And it's a big village that they stay in. It's really, really small. So there wasn't any feeling of, oh, my goodness, we're in a pandemic. Except mm-hmm. when you put the telly on and then you saw the news and then there was lots of horrible stuff about the pandemic. But, I mean, I, 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 I feel like... Well, you were talking about this before we started recording about... You feel like mask wearing is just where you are. Masks aren't a thing anymore. No, although interestingly, um, yeah, and, and what I was saying was um, when the mask mandate originally ended mid-July, um, I would have said mask rates went, fell to about 75% immediately. Yeah. Um, however, going into shops now, it genuinely does seem it's more like the elderly and the vulnerable that are sticking with it. Uh, the vast majority of other people are, are not, certainly younger people. And I've not seen anyone under the age of 30 wearing a mask, and I don't know how long now. Um, also, one of the interesting things, though, is in my place of work, I work in, in the public sector, and it's a sort of front-facing role, so you're seeing the public every day and since we went originally went back to our office and started working in our office in um, May 2020 originally in May 2020 we had to see people like behind a window you know you couldn't you know you had to be behind a plastic window Mm. then in August late July 2020 we began to be able to sit in interview rooms with people again um so you could have a chat with them properly but there would be a plastic screen between us you know that stretched to about i don't know about this this plastic screen was maybe 60 centimeters tall so you had the whole ceiling above from which germs could you know yeah 
go over. But 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 that was that wasn't a thing. Anyway, last week, last week, which was the week beginning the 30th of August 2021, they instituted our bosses instituted a new system whereby anytime you left your desk um, to walk around the building and in the waiting room and reception area, everyone had to wear a mask. Right. That came in last week. <laughs> the very end of August 2021, that came in last week. Right. Yes. <laughs> All the way through lockdowns, no masks required at any point within the building. Now masks required unless I'm sat at my desk or if I'm behind that plastic screen that's still in the interview rooms. Right. Slightly odd timing, I would suggest. Very much so. Um, especially since we got an email as well last week saying we have gone to green, which means that, you know, we are now supposed to be back to normal. But the new normal is wearing masks at work. Yeah. But, but also, you know, like, how it's not enforceable. No. Uh, because you don't have to wear a mask. We're being told to get back to the office by Mr. B. Johnson. Well, you see, that is the difference, because in Scotland, you still have to wear a mask in lots of places. Like, by law, you still yeah. have to wear a mask. If you go to shop, if you're on public transport, uh, school kids are wearing masks, the teachers are still wearing masks. Um, if you go to a restaurant, you still have to wear a mask. You know, if you go to the toilet, if you're moving about. So it's, we still have that up here. I know, I mean, it went months ago in England. Um, Absolutely. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's an odd one. I mean, what's the situation with the vaccine passport? Because I know like Nicola Sturgeon's come in for a lot of criticism this week because they announced earlier this week that in Scotland, they are going to introduce the vaccine passport for events like nightclubbing and football matches, like kind of non-essential big events. And there was a huge furore about this. But Boris, the day England opened up, do you remember Boris said that? He said, like, oh, when we get to September, it's over. We're going to have like the passport for nightclubs and things like that. Nobody bothered. They just went, yeah, okay. Fair enough. I, I think oh, it's, a big, it's a big furore up here. I think the difference is, the huge difference is that when Boris said it, no one believed him. Whereas when Nicholas Sturgeon says something, yeah, it's probably not believe him. Um, also, the opposition, I mean, there is big opposition down here to it, um, mainly on the Tory backbenches. Yeah, I mean, there is opposition. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people who have been vaccinated who think it's an infringement of human rights that you can actually, you're almost creating a, like two different sectors of society, those who've had the vaccine, those who haven't had the vaccine. Um, but it's only to, it's not to go shopping, it's not to go out for, it's literally football matches and nightclubs. And as I said, I deliberately use the word non-essential, like, kind of big events. These are things you don't have to go to. No. And I don't see what the big deal is. Like, if you want to do those things, if you want to do the, the kind of fun parts of being part of a society, I mean, having a vaccine is not hard. It's not like you've been asked to go and fight a war. You're literally just going to get, a, like, an eagle in your arm twice in the space of three months. It's not that hard. You know, I've done it. We're both big boosies. <laughs> I think that's the thing is, I mean, my, I have a slight reticence towards the vaccine passport, not because, well, I've, I have one in the sense that if I've had the vaccine, why do I, A, why do I have to prove it to anybody? Not have to prove it to anything else. Um, and B, if everyone's getting the vaccine, 
What does it matter if I'm stood next to somebody who hasn't had it? I know. Well, that's like, because we're, we're now at a stage which yeah, it, it's, we're at a stage where it's about choices. I, I don't have a problem with it because I've been vaccinated. We were talking about this before. Like, it's not really going to affect either of us because we've both had our vaccines and my family members and immediate family have all had the vaccine. But we are at a point now where it should really... I mean, in England especially, they're making it... You can choose if you want to wear a mask or not. So ultimately, if you've had a vaccine and you want to go to a football match, you know, well, I've done my bit. I've had my vaccine. That's fine. And if someone is there that hasn't had the vaccine... They've maybe chosen not to have the vaccine, so that's they've decided to take that risk. It's an acceptable risk to them. So I don't know. I'm kind of like betwixt mm. and between. I, obviously, because I like Nicola Sturgeon and I'm a fan of most yeah. of what she does, so I don't really see the big problem with it. But I mean, it's been a big like this week. The government in Scotland, and again, this is probably past Dubai in England. The start of the week, they announced they're going to pilot a four-day working week in Scotland. Mm. Don't have they made idea. the news down south? Um, and we also have an historic. Um, coalition now in the Scottish Parliament where the Greens are now part of the government. It's the first time in the UK that that's happened, that the Green Party are wow. in a coalition. So there's Patrick Harvey and Lorna Slater are both in positions of, they have governmental positions. So that's quite exciting. That is exciting. That is genuinely exciting. And I think... Um... And the, but, but again, the media up here have gone mental about that. They've been calling the Greens radicalists the leader of the Scottish Tory party called them anti-family values because they support a lot of trans rights and gay rights and things like that. And Douglas Ross, the leader of the Conservative Party up here, has been asked to apologise for that, and he's, he won't. Because, again, like Boris does, he's playing to that base. You know, it's like, you know, they're playing to their own fans who like that kind of stuff, that family value stuff, uh, even though it's utterly meaningless. One of my kids here, we were watching it the news the other day, and... One of my children said to me, like, well, can gay people not have families? Went, of course they can. Gay people have families. All people have families. She said, well, how is it anti-family to be support gay people? I said, that's just a stupid thing that the Tories say. <laughs> but again, that's not really been... If Nicola Sturgeon had said something like that, it would have been all over the press. True. Um, there was an, another moment in the Parliament this week. I mean, there's been so much happening in the Scottish Parliament this week. I don't know if you saw the Rangers fans after the Old Firm game. Um, marching through Glasgow singing the, the famine song telling the Irish to go back home and stuff like that and they were marching along the police were marching with them allowing this to go on they weren't stopping them they were just letting them sing these anti-Irish sectarian songs and they were talking about this in the Scottish Parliament and Nicola Sturgeon said in Scotland we don't want people to be prejudiced against because of where they come from or the colour of skin or their sexuality or anything like that and one of the Tory MSPs shouted out yeah unless you're English and then that caused a big stushy because Nicola Sturgeon stopped what she was saying and actually addressed that and was incredibly angry about it. Um, <laughs> but again, I heard people, I was listening to media coverage of this and they were saying, well, if that had been Boris, he would just have ignored it. Or he would have come up with a zingy one-liner and it would have been fine. But that's because Boris doesn't take anything seriously. I think no. Nicola Sturgeon was genuinely quite upset. A number of the SNP MSPs are English or born in England. Yeah, um, and so the idea yeah. that like the idea that like the SNP or the, the Yes movement in Scotland is anti-English, I was part of the Yes movement back in twenty fourteen, and certainly in the community I live in, there's a lot of English people who were supporting Scottish independence. Well, I'm I'm one of them. You indeed were one of them. Um, so it's it's been a very strange week in Scottish politics yeah. in general, and also the coverage of the 
what's going on in the supermarkets just now is I mean I was in Lidl on Friday and it's the first time I've really seen it but there was whole aisles where there was practically nothing I mean we normally get our kids certain things I have two children with autism and they eat certain things that they take to school and it's silly things like crepes and pan au chocolat but like that is the thing they like to eat as a snack and when you've got a child that's got autism they don't want another snack they want the thing they're used to they had yes. no crepes i know this sounds such a middle class thing to be saying but there were no crepes no pan au chocolat no, and there's normally hundreds of stuff like that that whole bakery bit was completely empty and then we went round to like the, the juice bit there was no juice there was nothing it was just there was nothing it wasn't like there was a wee bit there were whole units of shelves with nothing on them at all and again well, we're in a pandemic and there's like a, a lorry driver strike apparently that I don't think has actually happened. It's funny, again, watching the BBC talking about this, they never mention the B word. They just talk about food shortages and lorry driver difficulties. They never use the, the, the word that we, most people are thinking, well, this is because of Brexit. Yeah. Because I, Northern Ireland's not having this problem. Northern mm -hmm. Ireland's McDonald's, they still have milkshakes. You know, their Nando's still have chicken because they're still in the single market and they can still, you know, go to and fro the, the EU. And in England and Scotland, our McDonald's, some of them don't have milkshakes. Some of the Nando's don't have chicken because we are not part of the single market. And what's particularly galling is for the two years of the Brexit debate, people like you and I were saying this kind of thing is going to happen. We're not being like Operation Fear, whatever it was they said. There's going to be shortages. There's going to be an inevitable if you create a barrier to, to bring goods to and from, there's going to be shortages eventually. And we're now seeing that. But you notice that it's very often, oh, it's because of the pandemic. There's no other country in Europe's got food shortages right now, and they all have COVID in them. It's, but I mean, I think, I think you'll find as well is that, Ian, is that our response to COVID, our vaccination programme was so much better, everybody asked, and we're doing way better with COVID. So, you know... Wait a minute, no, that doesn't work. That doesn't work anymore. Yeah, you know what, we're not saying that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I haven't really watched, because we were talking about this before. You and I normally like to talk about the news, but, I mean, the, the news has been unerringly grim the last few weeks with all the stuff that's going on in Afghanistan, just the, the COVID things that have been going on, um, and all the kind of anti-vax demonstrations. It's just everything seems really, really grim. Um, everything's really grim there's also I, a thing I don't know so I don't know what the Tory people they send out are now saying when they're asked about these things or I imagine they're probably not even being interviewed they're probably not sending out cabinet ministers anymore at the moment I'm just I, sending well, Michael, I've, Gove I've, to, Michael Gove to nightclubs in Aberdeen to dance so that we that's what we focus on let's focus oh. on the fluffy side of the union yeah. Michael Gove dancing in a nightclub in Aberdeen looking like Pob on speed well, I, I read a very quite a terrifying article um, this morning in the Observer that um, the, the the government's new elections bill, which is one of those things that nobody is interested in, really. You know, if it makes it onto the news, it might be the eighth or ninth story, and understandably so because people just don't care. Do you know what I mean? It's not a blaming of the news. The news has to have viewers, hence the reason why they, you know, but. The new elections bill, the government's new elections bill, first of all, is going to introduce the idea of photo ID to be able to vote, which um, 
as somebody who works with working class and underclass people, photographic ID is sometimes really quite rare. Mm. And therefore, all of those people are a lot bar large swathe of those people wouldn't be able to vote. But secondly, and much more terrifying even than that, is the fact that the cabinet office secretary, if that's what they're called, the position Michael Gove currently holds, will be in charge of the Electoral Commission, which decides what is legal and illegal and what the rules should be for all elections. Instead of being independent, the cabinet office will now have overseeing powers, oversight powers on, on, on it that. Feels, it feels like we're at that stage between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope with the Empire really starting to get its grip and... Well, yeah, because the other thing is it all got lost in a mix of... Because often the people that were protesting were also actually in the sort of slightly more anti-vax mm. mode and they were protesting during a time of COVID, uh, during a time of lockdown. But when the government was trying to get that protest spill through the, I don't think it was called that, but the protest bill, which took away an awful lot of civil liberties yeah. about when you could and could not protest, how you can and cannot protest, what is now illegal and illegal, that they managed to get through because the people arguing against it weren't the Countryside Alliance. They weren't the Remainer types. They were the slight crusty levelers style people and they were anti-vaxxers. And uh, therefore, it's pretty easy to dump those into the dustbin and pretend they don't matter. Uh, also, obviously, the protests occasionally turn quite violent, which also proves the government's point, I suppose. Um, but speaking of protests, before we get onto slightly more cultural things, I've become a season ticket holder at Oldham Athletic Football Club, uh, right. which are the team currently second bottom in the entire football league. Uh, which is good. Um, they are literally a five minutes walk from my house. I thought I'd support my local side. That's good. I have been to five games this season mm -hmm. uh, thus far. Yeah, only three, no, maybe six games. But anyway, in those, I've seen four pitch invasions. Wow. Um, have I seen four? One? Yeah, I've seen four pitch invasions. Yesterday's, it again doesn't make the national media, but it's old athletic. Let's not kid ourselves. There's 4,000 people there. At, on about the 70th minute, I think it was, there was a pitch invasion of about 40, 50 people. Why? Uh, they hate the owners. Mm. So, but it's one of those classic things is that um, they're all about 14 years old. <laughs> Right, right, right. <laughs> and so don't get me wrong there's a large swathe of old athletic sports that don't like the owners and want them out and blah 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 and there's a chance of getting the board out and stuff but basically when the pitch invasions actually happen it's lots of 14 year old people's doing um hand gestures at the opposition fans right really it's not <laughs> it's not quite the heisel stadium then it's not like that no. you said pitch invasion i was just imagining you know, fireworks and police and police on horses and no. Well, there was lots of police. Um, there was more, well, lots of police for a lower league team uh, yesterday. Um, and they did a tennis ball protest, which I don't know if you, have you ever heard of the tennis ball protest? No. Which is basically on the fifth minute, this wasn't the last game, this was the hotly contested second round match of the Carabao Cup where they played Accrington Stanley. On, in the fifth minute of that game, 
all of a sudden tennis balls rain down onto the pitch. Just because from obviously the sky. Nice. Yeah, from the sky. It was like Magnolia. Was that a sequel to Magnolia? Yeah. Well. <laughs> um, no, it was from the one of the ends, one of the the ultras end, old athletic ultras, their end. Um, because obviously you have to stop the game. Why tennis balls? Jeremy Bates, the owner they want rid of. <laughs> yeah, they've not forgiven him for his defeat to Guy Forge yet. That's the problem. And Chris Bailey, joint owners of the club. <laughs> but yeah, so that's quite interesting. Um, that's quite a new thing I've done. You know, that's exciting. I mean, I think if the Arsenal fans eventually go around to doing that, we'll hear about it. Yes, I think. You've got so. to feel the Arsenal fans must be so close to doing that. Oh, you would think so. You'd think so. It's an absolute nightmare at their club. But um, but anyway, we always try and I mean we're, we're not, not finished. The, we are not the athletic podcast, so let's let's no, not. No, we're not. It. But cultural aspect. Think about like James like, Richardson, to be fair. Oh, that's true. I would love to be James Richardson. That's the dream. Um, but we try and focus on some of the positives too. We've been quite, you know, the world is hard at the moment. The world is yeah. very difficult. Um, but. Normally, we can count on the BBC at some point to come to our rescue. Maybe not the news, but we can count on the BBC to come to our rescue. And uh, they've produced a new Sunday night drama called Vigil. Yes, it's like a sequel to Game of Thrones, isn't it? <laughs> is it? There's a lot of Game of Thrones cast in it, that's all. That, that is true. Three, I think there's three Game of Thrones people in it. Three, is there? Yeah. Oh, well, yes. There's a man that played Pod. Yes. There's um, Rose Leslie, who knows who taught, used to tell people they knew and nothing. Stannis is like the head Navy guy that the police deal with. See, <laughs> forgot about Stannis. I did forget about Stannis. I, I love expecting Stannis. the Onion Knight to come in as his partner. Yeah, of course. Um, Vigil, um, for anyone who hasn't seen it, you'll, if you live in Britain, you'll have seen the adverts and the the posters around it's um it's a crime drama but the sort of macguffin if you like is that most of it is set on a nuclear submarine yes um uh, i mean in one sense it's barely a generic conspiracy crime drama mm. but with the twist of the submarine just gives it that extra twist of the submarine and you've got saran jones is the police officer who's investigating a sort of murder that's happened in the submarine and she's trapped on the submarine, mm. which makes it just this really kind of weird, claustrophobic, interesting thing. But obviously you've got Rose Leslie's character, who's her partner. She's investigating the murder on land, and you've got Saran Jones in the water, in the submarine. And it's great. I really like it. Very big fan of it, yes. I was a bit worried uh, it could be, the, I mean, it could have been another, the lock. Yes. But then it's not. I mean, you go into these things kind of thinking, is it, you know, you veer from one end to the other. Is it going to be the law or is it going to be line of duty? Yeah. And there they kind of. Because Martin Copson's in it. So you're thinking, well, maybe it's going to steer. But then we did watch that Tracy's thing. Was it Tracy's? That thing we watched that was very much in the lock, even though it had Martin Copson in it. Yes. Definitely much more in line of duty caliber. Yeah. I've mean, seen the first two episodes, but it's shaping up well. I mean, it's a good cast as well because you've got. Is it Patterson Joseph? Is that his name? Patterson Joseph. Who's I like him. He's a really good actor. He's in The Leftovers. He plays a kind of religious um, uh, cult leader in the first season of The Leftovers. 
And you've got Inspector Morse in it as well, which I only realised in the second episode that that was Inspector Morse. That, With his real accent, which is great. proper accent. And I was like, who's that Coxwain guy? I was like, oh, it's, it's Endeavour, it's Morse. And you've got, oh, he's called Gary something in real life. He played Billy Elliot's dad. He's like the, he's Saran Jones's boss. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who, who I really like. He, he and just that guy, that guy that plays the kind of second in command, who's an absolute yes. ball. He's really good. I'm not sure what he's been yeah. in, but I've seen him in, I think he might have been in the Johnny English film that we went to see not that long ago, but oh, yeah. I'm not sure what else he's been in, but like, he's really good at playing that kind of character. Yes, he is. He is. He's, he's. And Saran Jones, who I struggle to warm to as an actress, mm. uh, but she's very good. Yeah. But I struggle to warm to her a bit. But I think that's kind of the point. I think she is. You know, she's not. She's not like um, what's she called? Um, Sarah Lancashire. Rachel, Sarah Lancashire. Yeah, Sarah Lancashire. Who is not? You just immediately warm yeah. to her. Yeah. Um, but no, it's it's a. It's a really good show, uh, and it's suddenly like television's come back to life again, uh, because the following night was the first episode of Stephen. Mm. Have you seen that? I've got it Sky Plus. I was wanting to wait till it was finished, but yeah, I'm assuming it's good as well. Yeah, it's all on BritBox. You can watch the whole thing on BritBox oh, right all now. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. With, with their adverts, obviously. Um, it's, it's fantastic. It is. I mean, I've only seen the first episode, because... Um, well, just I've only seen the first episode, but it is utterly fantastic. Um, Steve Coogan is is really good because um, he's the central character. Although the Lawrences um, are there, he's kind of the driver of the plot, if you like. And um, he's what's wonderful about it watching Coogan is he's just playing a decent bloke. That's good. Well, you know, he's just playing decent. He's 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 not. Um, kind of like Philomena kind of character, where he's just like, yeah, it's much more in the Philomena mode. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I'll watch Coogan in anything, but um, it's lovely to see him playing that kind of character. I really enjoy it. Right. Um, so that has come back, which is very good. And we've got lots of lots of good drama coming up. Endeavor's about to come back. Um, there's a whole range of good television coming, so so that's something we can look forward to. That's positive. You know, um, have you seen um, another thing that I've just discovered? It's one of those things when you discover something you want to tell everybody. Have you seen that Love Sick? What's that? It was a Channel 4 sitcom in the mid, mid like 2014 to 2017 type time. Um, Scarring starts. Johnny Flynn is the main, main character in it. Um, it's, it's basically he discovers he's got chlamydia. Right, right, right. In each episode is kind of recounting like a previous romance he had that you know because he's got to go back and tell all his previous partners that he's got this um infection so he's got to go back and tell everyone um and it's it's very good it's okay. very very good um it's on netflix um so i'm working on with like that as well well i told you off i don't know if we talked about it before but ted lasso um yes on apple tv you i think you need to watch ted lasso I think you'll love it. I think there's enough growing on Apple TV that I might just make the plug. There's a few, there's like the foundation, the Isaac Asimov thing starts next month and it looks really good. And there's a few things like the morning shows had a second season now. There's quite a few things I've got a second series. And is is, is Apple TV the one that's got the Peter Jackson Beatles thing? Is that Apple TV or is that Disney Plus? That's Disney Plus Plus that's getting that. 
See, why can't you still put it on one thing? Disney Plus has got a new crime show that I started watching this week called Only Murders, Only Murders in This Building. Don't know if you've heard of it. <laughs> it's, it almost made me buy Disney Plus, yeah. I think. I mean, it's Steve Martin, Martin Short, and... Um, what's her Selena name? Gomez. It's really good. <laughs> good luck. The trailer Martin, is worth watching. Martin plays like a kind of washed-up old actor. And Martin Short plays this very camp, weird old film director. And Selena Gomez is this kind of like slightly alluring, mysterious character. And they're all big crime, like true crime podcast fans. And then a murder happens in their building. And they kind of like, the three of them form this kind of really rubbish detective trio. It's really good. Steve Martin writes it. It's really, really, it's really good. It's good. I mean, funny, obviously it's funny. And it's Steve Martin not being silly. It's just good proper Steve Martin comedy. It's definitely worth the Disney Plus subscription just for that. I mean, there's there's so many other things in Disney Plus that I've recommended to you, but that, when I saw that last week, I was like, oh, I've got to say this. John definitely would like this. It's his cup of tea. Yeah, because the thing is, I really like BritBox. Like, there's a lot on BritBox that I want to watch. Obviously, I've come back to this lovesick, which is now on Netflix. First thing I've watched on Netflix for months. I have Amazon Prime because... Well, do I need my Amazon Prime? I hardly buy anything from Amazon anymore. I'm no. thinking I might need to ditch that. I've not watched a single thing on Amazon Prime for almost a year. Uh, and I don't know when I last bought something from Amazon, but it's coming up to Christmas. I probably want that free postage yeah, and packing. Um, but this is the problem. It's like, it's like we've kind of mentioned before, I think, in the past about football and all of this about choice. All this about choice. Choice is great. Choice is wonderful. Choice is the best thing. It's, it's about, you know, your freedom and your human rights and all that kind of stuff. But price mounts up. I know. Well, it was the idea of like, it was the idea of like getting rid of telly and just sticking to streaming. But if you then subscribe to all the different things, it's more expensive than having telly. And it's oh, not like five years ago, it was an alternative. You know, you could have now TV and Amazon Prime, whatever. But now there are so many exclusives to each thing that it's like you cannot have telly alone. You need to have Disney Plus. You need to have Netflix. I mean, Sky have now made it that you can incorporate your Netflix and Disney Plus into your subscription. It's slightly cheaper, but still. Um, it's, it's better. It's really, yeah, it'd be, it'd be like if, say, at Spotify had all Oasis's music. But if you wanted to listen to Blur, you had to subscribe to Apple Music as well. You'd be like, oh, for, really? Mm. And then you had to go to Deezer to get, you would have to go to Deezer to get your Mumford and Sons. <laughs> that, that is basically, that is what's happening with telly films, is that you've, it's, Disney Plus is the, it's, it's definitely the one that's growing and it's had the most, inte- has the most attention because it's got Star Wars and Marvel. Yes. And it's now got this other channel called Stars, which is what this Steve Martin, Martin Short brings on. They now show The Walking Dead Instead, because it's not on telly anymore. It's only on Disney+. Plus. If you want to watch the last season of Walking Dead, you probably don't. Same with American Horror Story. These kind of things that I watch, they're all going straight to Disney+. Plus. And it's, and it's that additional... It's the, the, yeah, it's that additional money that... I mean, the licence fee, I think, is £150 a year. Yeah. Somewhere around that. Yeah, it's month. over a tenner a month. It's over a tenner a month, but then... You just get, say you've got rid of that, so you're like, I don't need the BBC anymore. I don't need to, to, to watch normal television. So if you don't have a TV license, you can't really watch ITV and you can't watch Channel 4 and you can't watch the rest of it because you because it's the signal that you're paying for as much as anything else. 
So you can only watch, so say you get a Netflix subscription and uh, a Netflix subscription and a BritBox subscription, you're paying more than yeah. you would for your, for the BBC. Yeah. And, uh, and you're not you getting- still, I think You couldn't watch Vigil if you had those two things. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Exactly. There's some things like Stephen and there's a few things, there was that Professor T thing with um, Ben Miller that was yeah. on there before it was on ITV. But I mean, most like the BBC stuff, you know, if Lena Duty ever come back, it's not going to be on Britbox before it's on BBC. There's no, no. chance of that happening. Exactly. And, and you don't get, that's the other thing is you don't get the news either. You can't watch the BBC news. No. So something big happens in the world, you're going to watch it through Twitter and Facebook. Is that, is that what we want? Is that how we want to run things? I guess people younger than us probably do do that. We're old. But it's not healthy. No, I know it's not healthy, but <laughs> change the thing. It's it's um, like yeah, but one of the things is as well is I, I discovered something the other day. It's, it's, a, it's a program that's been on Radio Four for forever, right? I'm not pretending that this is a new thing to me. It's just it's 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 something from a bygone age. It's something from an age when television and the media was something different from what it is now. I mean, even because what what streaming platforms do is they ghettoize certain things. So if you're in a particular world, you think everybody, not you, I mean, generically, people think that if they're in that bubble, that everybody has seen um, the Winter Soldier and whatever that program was called. I can't yeah. remember what it was called. But, but um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, Loki, WandaVision, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you think everybody's seen it, but actually around about probably three quarters of a million people in a country of 60 million have seen it. Yeah. But that's good numbers for that show. So it it's is. fine. But it's not like uh, duty numbers. But it's not like duty numbers. And you get ghetto-wise. So, so, so you're just going from ping to ping to ping to ping. But there's not a breadth of it. You don't get a breadth anymore. No. You get a lot of depth to your watching. So you might have seen every single thing Marvel's ever produced. Um, but you don't get a breadth. And I was listening to... I had a a thing a few Sundays ago I was going to go for a walk and I was like and I, I, I got into thinking about the great Gatsby and I was like I want to listen to something about the great Gatsby while I go for my walk so I was just looking around the sort of podcast app just typing in great Gatsby and see what came out and a radio four show called in our time um which is on radio four in the morning I think um once a week presented by Melvin Bragg of all people oh. Melvin. Uh, and, and I listened to it and I went on a walk and it had three university professors and Melvin Bragg all talking about the Great Gatsby, its influence, where it came from, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And then at the end of the program, they were they were wrapping it up at the end. And um, Melvin Bragg was like, Thanks everybody for a lovely discussion. Next week we'll be talking about the plague of Justinian during the time of Byzantium. <laughs> And it's just like, you go from The Great Gatsby to The Plague of Justinian. That's amazing. And like, if you listen to that show every week, mm. think how much you would learn about everything. Smart you must be. You know, like, I've subsequently gone and listened to, yesterday I, I listened to an In Our Time about the Covenanters, oh. who I've never heard of before, but they basically brought Protestantism and Presbyterianism to Scotland. You wouldn't be you wouldn't be who you are today. You would be sort of crossing yourself and and going to chapel every Sunday Sunday morning if it wasn't for them. And it's a bit like you just learned like so much. And, yeah. and but that's what media used to be. 
when you only had four channels, and I know I'm a bit of a bore about this, but when you had the four channels, you would end up watching the food and drink program. Yeah, you'd watch the money like program, the holiday program. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you would learn stuff that you maybe didn't want to know. No, but you, I mean, you didn't it. necessarily want to watch Blue Peter or Tomorrow's World, but you did because you didn't have a choice. You were stuck. Exactly. Uh, you know, like all those people, like this is the thing, is this is the irony is that, you know, like I'm saying, is maybe three quarters of a million, maybe up to a million people have seen Loki. Um, and maybe loved every second of it. But every single week, six to eight million people used to watch the money program. Yeah, I know. It was basically the Love Island of our childhood. Exactly. And they What's Mitch what- Morgan to say tonight about the pound? <laughs> That's the thing. They knew what inflation was. They could understand. We wouldn't have had Brexit. If we still lived in a we world, still have where, more telling you about money, absolutely. Exactly, because you would understand how A fitting next to B fitting next to We've C. We've talked about this before. As children, on a Sunday afternoon, once Glenn Michael was finished, you'd watch Brian Walden interviewing politicians. You would. I watched. Exactly. Maybe not. I'm sure not everyone like when they were children did that. But I did on a Sunday afternoon. Glenn Michael was on about twelve, and then at one o'clock, you'd have Walden for an hour interviewing Douglas Hurd or something like that, and you would sit and watch it as a child. Because there was no other option. You couldn't turn on Netflix. You couldn't go on BritBox and watch all of the old Love Island episodes. You had to watch Walden because that was it. And, and, and it's the thing is, and, and, and why breadth is so important of knowledge, it's, it's what the entire Scottish education system is based on. The entire Scottish education system is based on breadth rather than depth because people understood that if you had, if you had a, a whole rounded person Maybe they wouldn't know, be experts quite, not everybody would be an expert, but they would have a wide enough breadth of knowledge that they would be able to understand how the world worked and how A connected to B connected to C, which is why we would, we would do five hires, whereas in England, they would do three A levels. We would just have a wider knowledge. They might have a deeper understanding of physics than we did, but then we would learn that in university if we wanted to become experts. Uh, yeah. The thing is, we would have three, we might have physics, but we'd also have French in there, or we'd also have um, history in there. So we'd be a more rounded person. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's, we, we, we've kind of, that's that's a concern to me. I know we're supposed to be in the more happy element of the I podcast, know. but that's a that's, concern to me. That's the beauty of podcasting and listening to podcasts is you can, you can learn. I mean, I do, I feel, I get a lot of, the things that I, the things I learn about the world now, I mostly get from podcasts because yeah. I don't watch. The, I find the news mostly quite depressing and sometimes offensive the way things are um, covered. But you learn a lot from just listening to podcasts. Mm. So, what's that recommendation? What's it called? The Melvin Bragg thing is in our time. In our time, I'm gonna add like, that. I'm gonna add that to mine. Some weeks, some weeks, you know, you see it and you're like, yeah, yeah you can. That. Skip it, not listen to it, but yeah. But it's just that range, it's just that depth and, and sort of one, I'll one week of I'll find the Gatsby one, because that, that'll interest me as an English teacher. Yeah, that was really interesting. And they've got quite a few others. They've got Tess of the Durbervilles. I listened to that the other week oh, as well. That was my very mum would love that. She would, because there's a big debate about whether it's seduction or... My mum can't listen to podcasts. Why? doesn't know how to play them. <laughs> I sent them a link to a podcast. And it was a Guardian one. It was Marina Hyde been interviewed, which is very rare. And mm. uh, I had to go down and show it because she really liked because my mum loves Marina Hyde. She's her favourite journalist. I mean, she is brilliant. She is the she, she is the best columnist in Britain right now. She's so funny. Very much um, so. But there was an interview with her 
I was kind of half hour just sit down and chat with her about her career so far. And I told my mum and she was like, she couldn't understand how you could play a podcast. I went down and showed her and she really enjoyed it. But that's the thing. I mean, I say to people about how I sit with my headphones in a lot of the time when I'm in the house or when I'm out with the dog or I'm out walking. And very often I'm not listening to music. I'm usually listening to podcasts. And I say that to people and they're like, but how do you get podcasts? And it's like, I mean, obviously there's no point telling people that listening just now because they're listening to a podcast. But I just find that. So if you're listening to this and you've got a parent or a grandparent who you think is maybe a bit out of touch of the world or doesn't have any friends to see, I always think podcasts are a bit like friends that you don't have to make any effort with because you can listen to a podcast. Like you and I have our podcast most weeks and people listening and they'll be like, oh, it's two friends chatting about stuff. And that's what podcasts generally are. It's just like, it's almost like you build a relationship with these people that you've never met, you've never spoken to, but you become very familiar with what they talk about, the cadence of their voices. And, and sometimes you, you imagine what they look like and then you see them in the tell and you're like, oh, that is not what I thought they looked like. And I'm, there'll be people who listen to this and don't know what you and I look like. And it'd be funny oh. to like imagine what they think we look like just from our voices. That's true. Probably think we're like a pair of 20-year-olds. Well, probably. That's the thing. Uh, you right. so beautiful. Go yeah, we better go. That's, that's a long time. I was going to say, we always, we always try, or we not always, but we often do. Any recommendations? We've kind of said Vigil. We've kind of said In Our Time, Stephen. Um, any other recommendations for our people? Stephen King, great writer. Well, Stephen King had a book out two weeks ago called Billy Summers, which I would heartily recommend. Oh, you've, you've read the new one, is it? What's that? Yeah. That must be quite frustrating for someone who's trying to read all of yeah. Stephen King's works. Yeah, he's had two new books out this year that I've had to add to my list. Uh, but Billy Summers is about an assassin. It's quite gross point blank. It's, an about, oh. an, it's about an assassin who's kind of got a conscience. And it's really, really good. Right. One of the best ones, one of his best new ones I've read for a, for a while. It's really good. You'd probably like it. I think. Well, I might add, I'll, I'll add it to my list. I've got. Because you've recommended list. a few books to me, but I'm now in the kind of home straight with my Stephen King reading, and I can't read anything else until I'm finished. No, I still have about 20 Stephen King books to go, and I've got four months. And the problem is, and I'll show you, this is obviously rubbish for the, the listener, but this is what I'm reading just now. It's 980 oh. pages long. I started that on Monday. 980 pages. I mean, to be fair, I have reached page 830, so I'm nearly there. I started that on Monday and I have a load of books that I've left to the end that are that length or longer. So that's oh, why wow. I can't read anything else now. I mean, I've, I've, I now regret some of the non-Stephen King books I've read this year because I'm thinking that's going to make it harder for me to find. That book, you read, that the adult that you recommended to me. Yes. So many books. That I've, I mean, I've read about 15 to 20 books that aren't Stephen King. I could have been finished by now. You could have. That's difficult. Anyway. Yeah. Well, my recommendation from you. Well, it's, it's the recommendation I gave to you a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's called Mayflies by Andrew O'Hagan. Um, very, if you come from the west coast of Scotland, um, certainly the central belt west coast of Scotland, like me and you do, um, then there will be moments that just kind of give you a warm glow as you read but also it's set, a large chunk of it is set in 1980s Manchester during the time of the Smiths and New Order and Hacienda and all that, that different stuff. So for people of our generation and maybe 10 years older, certainly, probably 10 years younger too, um, it is perfect reading. It's so, I, I was, I've put the sample on my Kindle just so I remember to come back to it and I was reading the synopsis and I was reading the reviews. It does sound like the kind of book I would enjoy. Mm, you will. You've not recommended. You 
like you and I don't tend to recommend many books to each other, but no. you've recommended a couple to me in the last. That adult one was good. Mm. It was really good. It was really weird. I like that. And there was yeah. that. What was that um, Pulitzer one that you recommended to me? Colton. Oh, the Nickel Boys. The Nickel Boys. That was a good book. Yeah. It was pretty grim, but it was one of those books that we would have probably taught if we were still teaching in schools. Yeah, or certainly ones we would have been campaigning to teach, but we've yes. been probably the heads of the department. Yeah, one of the ones you'd have been encouraging the brighter kids to read. Say, like, read this. Yes. This is actually a rare thing that's an important book. You should just read this. It's good. And, and we yeah. Go, as we say every week, there is good. There are good examples of culture out there that you can yeah. that will escape you from the horrible horrors of Brexit and the pandemic and Boris Johnson and all the other yes. things. Yes, and the world we live in now. But uh, but anyway, have enjoy the culture because culture is quite rich at the moment. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't think there's a new Mumford and Sons album out, but surely one can't be too well, far away. Again, Ted Lasso. The theme song is written by the singer of the Mumfords. So, oh really? You're not yeah. recommending it to me. <laughs> it's a good song. You'll like it. Oh, okay. Go on Spotify and just put in Ted Lasso and listen to the theme music. You'll be like, "Sounds good. I like this." Right. Okay. I will do. Okay. Right. Well, thank you, listener. Enjoy your week, and hopefully, we'll be back with you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.